the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Not all athletic departments operate in the black, right, Bruce? As very, as I know, very you know. few of them do. Very, very few of them. Yeah, that's my point. Very few do. So just because the NCA said it can do so, and I, I knew this was coming, that's great. But we can't afford to do that because then you don't want to kick. What are you going to do? Take away your commitment from the younger generation? or the younger recruits coming up, or the younger athletes, you have to choose one. And, it, and it's an awful position to be in. And again, there's no win situation here. But if you have to choose one, if I were an athletic director, I'd say, look, this is awful. But at least those kids that had one year left remaining on their eligibility, at least they had the opportunity to compete here. Indeed, that's the uh, choice that Ohio State gets to make that others do not get to make. We talk about it today and have Gene Smith's perspective after a Friday conference call with the Ohio State Athletic Director. I'm Bruce Hooley. Welcome to a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast with uh, Mr. Chris Spielman, still observing social distancing, joining on the phone. Good morning, Mr. Spielman. Good morning, and I'm hoping that uh, the social distancing thing and is going to be around for a while, but hopefully we can get back to... Uh doing a show in person and together and obviously still doing a social distancing thing. But I, I do just have a good feeling that uh, things are going to get better here quickly. I don't know why. Again, I have no science, just a feeling. So I hope that's the case. I hope it's the case, too. I was uh, getting up this morning pondering our podcast and the content, and we have not had any problem doing uh, our typical length podcast without uh, live sports. Uh, if you uh, woke up from a Rip Van Winkle-type nap yesterday about noon, you would have thought yesterday was one of the most unusual great days in sports history. You could have watched the Cavs win the NBA championship against the Warriors and Tiger win the Masters because that's yeah. what we're showing on TV, you know? So, uh, but, you know, when you and I get back in the same location, uh, perhaps we'll have a chat about... Uh, something we can't do right now while you're apart. I'm bringing you in on the phone. Maybe we could bring in, you know, a Nick Felino, a Todd Blackledge, a Kirk Herbstreet, some other, a Tom Ryan, some other people on the phone and, uh, you know, chat with them. Maybe even a Michigan coach, Jim Harbaugh, who made news over the weekend, and we will get to what Coach Harbaugh had to say. It'd be fun to uh, uh, interview some guys and, uh, you know, add uh, a little texture. Not every week, but uh, not every time, but maybe uh, now and then we could add some other voices to the podcast. Sure, whatever you want. You don't sound too excited it's, about that, but uh, I like. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to call him and ask him to be on the podcast. Oh, that's fine. I can up. handle that. I can handle that. I'll just. Uh, I'll. I'll have my cat attack you while you're out here, and I'll steal your phone. And I'll look in your contacts, and I'll get all the numbers. How will that work? It sounds like a normal day when I'm out there. Yes, it so does. There you go. It does sound <laughs> so like a normal. Changed? Day. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> well, uh, let's get to Gene Smith because it. Dovetails with the start of the podcast. We were talking about this opportunity the NCAA has allowed for schools to allow spring sport athletes who were denied a spring sport season by COVID-19 precautions to come back and play next year. The eligibility clock on all NCAA athletes has always been five years to play four. You know, you can Redshirt a year, but you get you got to get your four years of eligibility in in a five-year period. Now, there are exceptions. Occasionally, you hear a medical redshirt. Sometimes somebody gets sure. six years to play for. But that's only due to injury. Now, for spring sports athletes only, the eligibility clock 
is six years to play four. And it's not just, hey, you're um, Joe Smith and you're a lacrosse player at uh, Ohio State. And you can play next spring 2021, but after that, you can't. No, no, it's the, the people who are freshmen now get six years to play four. I don't know that they'll extend that. They may end that after this current freshman class goes through and completes its career. My guess is they'll dial it back then. Sure. But at this point in time, that's what you can do. Now, they leave it up to every school to do it. And I was talking to Gene Smith Friday on a conference call, which, by the way, it's extremely nice of Jerry Emig at Ohio State uh, to set these up to give content to content providers like myself, the 11 Warriors of the world, the Letterman Rose of the world, the Dispatch and all that. They could just sit in their bunker and, you know, but but instead they're communicating with their fans. I think that's a great job by Ohio State. Um, but I asked Gene, I said, this is odd to me that these decisions are left to each school because it gives schools that do it a big competitive advantage over schools that don't, like Wisconsin's not going to do it in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And Gene said, yeah, it is a big competitive advantage, but you're torn between – wanting to have competitive advantage in the conference and wanting to do the right thing by your student-athletes. You're loyal to your student-athletes above your conference. That's not to say you're not loyal to the conference. You are, but I think there's uh, when somebody commits to Ohio State, Ohio State is uber Alice above all else. Yes, yes. And I think uh, that's the the mindset that I would have if I was uh, Gene Smith and you know, the luxury of Ohio State is that I read an article of uh, Gene said certainly they'll be hit financially this year, but one, they, he thinks that they can sustain. But not every school has that luxury. So every school doesn't have the options that Gene Smith has as far as keeping their programs in place and keeping the six years to play four years in place. Uh, financially, we're able to be able to take that hit and still provide that opportunity where other schools are are not able to do that and a lot of it too i think is going to depend on you know what college football is going to look like i really believe we're going to have some type of college football i mean i would be i i just don't see it not happening i really don't i just think that uh the more this goes i think that more anxious people are uh to get back to somewhat of a normal life and there's got to be a smart, safe way to do this, whether it's testing or not, or however they decide to do it, or some type of treatment that will be available then. I don't know, but I just think that college football and eventually people are going to um, have to make decisions on, all right, we're, we're going to start living here. We have to. We can't mm-hmm. just keep doing what we're doing. And so... um in uh, a lot in the money that college football generates and even the shared monies is more important for some schools you know how state can generate revenue on, on its own but schools that don't like school like northwestern right I, I get they get big endowments but for their athletic program how reliant are they on schools like michigan and ohio state to help fund their athletic program yeah they're very reliant as are many schools in the big ten. The one thing about this though it that is odd, even though you're doing the right thing by your athletes is that it does introduce a set of uh differences between schools that would never be allowed to prevail in men's basketball. 
I don't think women's basketball, certainly not in football. And I said that to Gene. I said, you know, you guys are always ones to be very um, agreeable to not playing the the advantages you have, you know, to lord it over other people in the conference. Like on the name and likeness thing, one of the things Gene's talked about is, you know, look, we got Ohio State. We can pay these kids pretty much. We can get a sponsor to pay them whatever we want. But we know that's not the right thing to do. It stacks the deck. But on this thing, uh, Greg Beals is going to have a freshman class that's twice as big as the freshman class at any Big Ten school that doesn't do this. And I said to Gene, I said, this would never be allowed to prevail in football. Can you imagine if Michigan could bring back 60-year guys and Ohio State couldn't? And he's and he just like laughed. He goes, oh, no, it never happened. So they're yeah. fortunate that the whole pandemic thing, the season that it canceled was a sports season where they don't have sports that uh, I hate to say people care about, but I mean, that, <laughs> but I mean that that resonate. Maybe that's a kinder way of saying it. That like yeah. basketball resonates or football resonates. Yeah, yeah, it draws more interest. <laughs> you know, that's that's just the way it is. That's where the money. Look, the money for the the, the programs is is generated from what slash bowl revenue slash BCS or not BCS, but college football playoff. And of course, uh, television. I mean, the amount of money that's generated from television. I mean, without television, we certainly wouldn't have the uh, the amount of money in college athletics that we have now. And by the way, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing because, as you know, Bruce, and I know you've done an extensive look of being a journalist that you are over your years, that what Ohio State football is able to uh, uh, fund basically outside of that place. Mm, yeah it's just amazing like every sport able to yeah. <laughs> gene admitted that he said he referred to it as the elephant in the room that you know yeah. football he said look football runs the budget it just does and they're looking at scenarios uh they have to got to get ahead of issues that would be mammoth sure. issues they're looking at that and we'll talk about that momentarily but first let's talk about a cool experience that you had all you folks know that chris has been selling some of his memorabilia online to raise money to give $1,000 a week to COVID-19 impact victims, whether it's directly from the disease or from job loss. We ask you to send nominations to us, Podcast at gmail.com. We are getting plenty of those, well over 100 now, and we draw four names every Friday. Each person we draw gets $250, and you had... Uh, here's the thing. Every story is a story that when I read it, I go, wow, I hope they win. <laughs> I mean, every one. But there are some that you remember when you pull the name out. Friday, we pulled one that I was like, oh, yeah, this is the daughter of the single mom with seven children who nominated her mom, who lost her job as a, a server, I believe. And I was just thrilled when we pulled her name. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not thrilled when we pull other names. It's just that I, that one happened to make a, an impact on me, that I thought it was tender and sweet that a daughter would nominate her mom, that a daughter recognizes the unique and special qualities that her mother has, and the mom being a hero. Well, we drew her name, and you got to meet her while observing social distancing. But please tell that story because I think it, uh, it motivates people to say, you know, I know somebody who I'd love to see win like that. Sure. Well, first of all, you and, and Carrie have done a great job of reaching out and contacting these people. And and my wife, Carrie, was able to get a hold of, of Carrie is her name. 
and we found out that she was local. Well, you know, I want to get the hands or the money into the hands of these folks as quickly as possible. So I told my wife to tell Carrie, the winner, to say, look, uh, I'm sitting there telling her, I'll just take the money out to her, just have her send her address. And we just worked it out where Mm -hmm. uh, my wife said, he'll be out there in an hour, send her address. She did. So I go out there and her and three of her children uh, were waiting in the, in the driveway. So I parked across the street, uh, walked up to them and, and observing social distance. You know what? And I'm going to stop. I'm just going to assume from now on that people are knowing that I'm going to observe social distance yeah. because this is, it's really starting. Uh, I, I'm not prefacing it anymore. Okay. I'm just no. not, I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm getting sick of, having to preface it like I'm being watched by the Gestapo or something here. So I'm not prefacing that anymore. So we go and we're able to take pictures and the coolest thing happened. So my children have contributed to the fund, all of them with their own funds or to the relief. And this one happened to be uh, my daughter, Macy, who uh, gave me uh, $200 that she's earned. And she said, Dad, just take this with you. So we were able to take that to 250 and make it 450 for just this particular reason. But it wasn't planned or anything like that. It was just my daughter overheard the conversation. She walks out of the room as I'm walking out the door. She hands me the two, two, uh, $200, and that was able to become $450 for this uh, wonderful year woman and her children uh from ages i think four to 20 and we were able to hand her uh, i took cash just gave her 450 bucks cash and uh it was it was great it was one of those moments where i can't believe god has allowed us our team of bruce carey spielman and chris spielman and then we have Macy throwing an assist of 200 bucks as I'm walking out the door. Where mm-hmm. she earned it, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. She's uh, she's been she's she's one of those girls that saves every like birthday dollar or yep. like that. She gets and she gave that all away. And without his, the the coolest thing was to see the joy on a mother's face. To see the the that some of her children actually recognized who her, who I was. One. I believe one of her sons was in one of my football camps over the over the years at Dublin when I used to have the youth football camp in yeah. Dublin. Yeah. Then uh, then to have Macy dish me an assist as I'm I'm on my way out the door. Uh, I'm not sacrificing really anything, Bruce, because I'm getting all these little blessings back. You know, it's just amazing. So it was a good Friday. Was a good Friday for me. Excellent. Well, get in on the uh, action, people. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Let me read the nominating email from the daughter of of Carrie, the recipient of the $450. Here's the nominating email. I really want to nominate my mom, Carrie. She's a single mom to seven of us and recently was laid off from her service job at Max and Irma's. She works so hard and does everything for us to make things even worse. It appears the federal relief bill may not cover her and most restaurant and bar employees for unemployment. I know how stressed she is, but she doesn't show us. She is just the best and deserves a break. I would love to see some relief for her 
This is an amazing contest. Thank you for being so kind. So then I emailed, hey, you know, we pulled your name, and she just, this is amazing with exclamation points. Thank you so much. Wow, amazing. So uh, really cool, really fun. And, uh, hey, you get to experience a lot of what Chris experienced and what we experienced uh, doing this by nominating someone and seeing them win. So nominate someone, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com, and help us give more money. Uh, and benefit yourself in the process by ordering from our official coffee, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters in Mechanicsburg. They buy direct from growers in Thailand and in Nicaragua, so they're benefiting people in impoverished environments, allowing them to do great things like planting churches and giving people jobs that keep them out of horrendous uh, situations like human trafficking. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters will donate 20% to COVID-19 relief here on the Spielman Hooley Podcast when you note in the comments section that you heard about them from Spielman and Hooley, if you choose and you're maybe pinched for money, but you still want to have great coffee and enjoy one of the great luxuries of life uh, at, a, at a modest price, you can use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, get 15% off, and then Hemisphere will donate an additional amount while giving you your 15% off. So order from our friends uh, Paul and Andy at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Mr. Spielman warms up for the Spielman Hooley podcast every day with yeah. um, something from Hemisphere. I don't know if it's breakfast blend or Nicaraguan blend or what they sent you, but you do warm up. Do you need more? Are you running out, sir? Because I know you go through uh, it pretty quick. I, I think about a, I got about a week's work left, so All we'll right. revisit that on Friday. Very good. <laughs> we will revisit that on Friday. Now to revisit our uh, conversation fry last Friday with Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director. He went through the scenarios and the problems of having a season with no fans in the stands, and the optics of that look bad because, as we know, college athletes are unpaid. A lot of people believe, and I'm one of them, and Chris, I believe you're one of them, who believes they should be paid, uh, but they're not paid. So if you're going to bring them back to campus when you can't bring students back to campus, or you're going to bring them back to campus and have them play games when you're not going to have fans in the stands, Gene Smith pointed out, he said, when I first heard that, I thought it was a great idea. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. If we're telling fans it's not safe for them, how can it be safe for players? How would you respond to that whole idea that, hey, let's bring them back and, uh, you know, we can't have fans, can't have students on campus, but we can have players on campus? Well, wouldn't it be safer with uh, less people being exposed? It would be safer, but the question is, would it be as safe as for the players not having football at all? I mean, the answer to that would be no. You're right. going to bring guys together okay. in a locker room. You're I mean, going to have. You're going to not social distance anymore. So, are we going to? I mean, they're again. I think we're learning more, but hopefully by the summer there'll be some type of more rapid testing available. Uh, antibodies, uh, who's had it, who's not had it, and kind of go from there. And uh, I mean. I don't know. I think there, there's such a fine line to walk in, in every scenario has to be played out and every situation has to be looked at of, is there a safe way to do this? If there's a safe way to do this, then I think they have to play uh, some way because of the, I, I, if there's, it's safe. So I don't, I can't predict the future on that, but, and I'm not being callous when I say this, and maybe this is the what we're entering our fifth week of quarantine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's risk. There's going to be risk in everything we do, right? I mean, yep. there's just there's just going to be risk. And 
once I think they get a little more knowledge on this and who's more vulnerable, who's not vulnerable, uh, everybody in mask, I don't know what the scenario can be, but I do think that um, we can't just keep living uh, scared. I think you live smart. I think you live responsibly. I just don't know if you keep living scared. And again, this is, I have no scientific facts or base after this. I only read what we're going to read. But I just know, and everybody knows if they're completely intellectually honest about this, that we can't continue like this much longer. Or, you know, I'm just reading an article this morning and it makes me, and I'm a little grumpy this morning, if you haven't noticed, because I'm so angry uh, of what the byproducts of COVID-19 is the amount of child abuse and domestic violence is on the rise. Mm. And it just, it just, it just makes me so angry. I can't, you know. It's so frustrating to me and, you know, because I'm, you are a man of action. I'm a man of action and I'm sitting here stuck in my house where, you know, we could be doing something and we're putting those most vulnerable at more risk, not from risk of COVID-19, but for for risk of getting broken ribs or busted nose. Yeah. Yeah. It's just horrendous. So I, I, I guess, you know, at some point, you got to say, okay, well, we got to take the risk here because in, in some way, somehow, and I, I'm not being callous, no. not without the recognition of understanding uh, the seriousness of this disease, but when I see a rise in domestic violence and child abuse up 50%, or, and you imagine the fear, Bruce, mm. you imagine uh. the fear of a woman that's being getting the crap kicked out of her on a daily basis because of this crap disease. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Look, I'm sorry I'm, to go off on that. But no, that's, that's really I'm... good. People don't think about that stuff. Here's the thing. This is a podcast, so we don't have a boss down the hall who's going to come in and say we're being insensitive. You mentioned earlier, we're not going to say anymore, oh, I'm observing social distancing. We have both have a respect for the disease, and we both have a respect for our fellow man that we don't want to put other people in jeopardy. But we also understand that life is temporal and that people die from an assortment of things. If we're going to be paralyzed by COVID-19 fear in that we can't resume life as normal until there's zero risk of anybody yeah. being infected, then let's eliminate cars, let's eliminate alcohol, because tons of people are alcoholics, and alcohol leads to many deaths, the destruction of many families. Uh, I mean, if you're going to try to eliminate everything that causes pain in our world or causes uncertainty or causes death, then we'll all just sit frozen in a little box forever and we can't do that we just cannot do that that's not life you're not living you're existing i'm and i don't mind these precautions my wife said yesterday there's something really neat about being having this pause period in our lives to concentrate on what's most important draw closer together and there is but i'm just saying we cannot eliminate all risk we cannot play one-on-one against COVID. There will not be a doctor and a ventilator and a, and, a, and a nurse and masks for every single person in the world. There will not be. It cannot be done that way. That's my rant this morning. Well, I mean, you know, we're, you, so eventually you become a slave to the disease. If this, and I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm with the. I think the majority of people. 
I could be wrong. I mean, I mean again, I you know, and I read every. I don't read slanted arguments. I read both sides of the argument, right? And certainly respect authority. Uh, but if you're a slave to this, then, our, then you just collapse. Everything will collapse. You know, there's risk involved with living. But that doesn't mean don't be smart, don't be responsible, don't have respect. Uh, but also, I'm not going to, you know, sit and do nothing forever you know no. i'm not no you know no. and i'm not going to wait 18 months and sit and do nothing until there's a vaccine because too many people are going to be hurt because as a result of covid-19 not not because it's of a byproduct yeah a byproduct yeah. of it yeah all right back to gene smith and ohio okay. state so we were talking right. about no fans i don't know how we got off on our own individual soapboxes, but we did. So anyway, no fans at games. The one thing I've never heard anybody say about no fans at games is, does that fix the problem? Does that fix the problem? You have college football. We got to have college football to fund the athletic departments uh, to give people a distraction. But does that fix the problem if you don't have fans? Because I'm sitting here going, well, if you don't have fans, you don't have tickets. You don't have tickets. You don't have people coming to games, and you don't pay to park, and you don't buy Cokes, and you don't buy beer, and you don't buy hot dogs, you don't buy popcorn, and you don't have hundreds of thousands of people milling around the campus area who can't get into the games, who are paying to park, buying official team gear. All that money goes in the same cash register that fund lacrosse and tennis and volleyball and rowing and on and on and on. So I asked Gene Smith about this idea that TV revenue is the be-all and end-all of football finances, and what kind of a hit do they take if they don't have fans at games? So, um, typically, depending upon the game, Bruce, great question is, it depends on the game. So it could be anywhere from a a $5 million to $7 million net. Okay? So what we have to look at, to your point, is – um, you know, those losses uh, per game. Now, it depends on the model. Um, you know, if you don't have a season, uh, then we uh, will, we'll, that, that, you just do the math on that in seven home games. That's why seven home games has always been important to us. Um, so uh, we're getting ready to go through that, uh, that process of looking at each home game that we have and looking at, uh, what we are projected revenue for each home game would be, and it would include all those categories, Bruce. And then we draw the scenario: okay, if we don't have a season, then this. If we don't have these games, then this. So we haven't done that, but that you hitting on exactly the exercise we'll go through. Uh, so and, and there's so many other things beyond that. Uh, the the donations. Um, you know, our Buckeye Club is tied to tickets. Um, and then um, um, our president's club, where people can donate uh, to other departments on campus and have access to tickets, um, that's tied to that. Yeah, so there are many tentacles to this. Uh, Chris, it's been true over the years, not just at Ohio State, but any school. You win a national championship in football, you play in the playoffs, your donors donate more. They just do. They feel yeah. better about the university. And so that's a part of this as well. So at the very minimum, 
So you're looking at seven home games. Yep. If you max out those seven home games, that's a meet, and there's no seven home games. That's uh, if you max it out, that's an immediate loss of forty nine million. Right, and that's as I approximately what the TV check is. The TV check varies a little bit, but it's it's fifty, it's forty eight to fifty six, sixty million dollars is the TV check. ESPN, Fox, and Big Ten Network. So you're talking about cutting if you know. The Bowling Green and Buffalo games, probably $5 million games. The Iowa-Nebraska-Michigan games, those yeah. are $7 million or more games. You know, so one of the things I've seen is, well, if we don't have a season until October, we lop off all the non-conference games. Everybody plays 10 games in their conference, and, uh, you know, we go from there. And that may be where we get to. But my point in just asking a question of Gene was, Fans own uh, no fans football only is still a gigantic hit to the budget. Sure it is, and he acknowledged that. Yeah, yeah. I I I think uh, I don't even know. Just when you just said it, it kind of made sense to me. Like football starts in October this year, mm-hmm. as opposed to September, and you're buying time. And maybe you know it seems to me that we learn something every single day. At least that's what correct. Uh, the doctors and experts are saying on my television set, and they learn more and more each day, and they'll hopefully have enough knowledge to be able to find some way to, to get this thing going. But uh, I, October, eliminating those preseason games or non-conference games, going to 10 conference games like you mentioned, starting it in October, that kind of whatever just feels right to me. I don't know. It just feels when you said it, it was almost like one of those things. Oh, that's going to be it. Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, if you start in October, you can hopefully have testing every day of guys, and if somebody has uh, symptoms of it, you can quarantine them. It could play a part 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 in the season. I mean, if Justin Fields yeah. gets it, and you got to go with a freshman quarterback or with Gunner Hoke, you know, you don't want to be playing, uh, you know, a team that can beat you that week. But Everybody's playing on the same set of rules. You know, and it's yeah. interesting on the Utah Jazz, remember Rudy Goddard, right? Yeah, Rudy Gobert, yeah. Got, Rudy Gobert, excuse me. And, and then you got the, the, was it Devon Mitchell? Yep. Was he, you know, so he had it, gave it to Devon Mitchell, but it's interesting that, you know, no no other Jazz player got ill from that. So I don't know, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm just, I just don't know, like, okay, I was get, having a spirited discussion with a close friend of mine. Like, oh, you can't play football. You can't because if one guy gets it, the whole team's going to get it. Well, that we don't know that. No, you don't know that. Here's the thing. A month ago today, we were not as um, restricted as we are right now. And it feels to me like we've been restricted for a lot longer than a month. But let's go back to, you know, March 13th. Look at how much we've learned in a month. I mean, March 13th, there were real models out there saying 2 million Americans could die. Now, far less than 100,000 Americans are expected to die. Not to minimize anyone who dies, but we've learned a lot in a month. In another month, in two months, we'll learn a lot more. And so it's, uh, in some respects, foolish to predict, but I understand why people in the leadership positions that Gene Smith is in have to do contingency plans, and they have to adjust every oh, day. Yeah. And he says Big Ten athletic directors are meeting on the phone every morning. So they're, be, they're on top yeah. of it. It'd be irresponsible of the athletic directors not to have contingency plans. Sure. And, and you know, just like our, our leaders have contingency plans. Like, 
I'm quite confident that uh, Governor DeWine and Governor Husted and their staff and their, however, the, the government's set up over there has a contingency, has plans for opening this state up. They just haven't made it public, yep. but they have to have a plan. If If they did not have a plan, then that would be negligent on their part. And quite frankly, I mean, you have to start having these plans and you got to start executing the plans. Now, it's it's up to them when they choose to tell us the plan, but you have to have plans in place. Um, you know, because the frustrating thing for me, the the longer this goes on, the more horror stories I hear. And and that's that's the frustrating thing to me. So uh, which have nothing to do with the actual disease itself. But as we talked about, the results are the byproduct of mm -hmm. this disease, whether it's financial or uh, spousal or domestic violence or child abuse. Yeah. Awful. All right. Over the weekend, uh, Jim Harbaugh made news. Uh, he made news for a statement he made at the end of an extended interview with a friend of his who does a podcast. Uh, so I'm going to play an extended cut because I don't want to play just the uh, news gathering cut at the end because I think it's important to have some context to this yeah. because things That's are often new. Yeah, things are often edited out of context. But what he said is what he said. Is you know I just feel like you need to understand how he's what kind of uh, thought pattern he's in as he ramps up to making this comment at the end. So here is Jim Harbaugh uh, on a podcast that I believe is a I think I believe it was played on public radio. So it's about a minute and a half. Uh, Coach Harbaugh is talking about the differences he sees between the generation in which he played and Chris played in the '80s and the generation of football players now that he coaches. Um, you know, I think this this group, this younger. Younger generation, uh, those in their teens and and uh, early twenties, and in their twenties, they see more about like the world as, as a whole, um, and think less about you know, themselves and more about you know the uh, the planet and the environment and and others. I mean, I have to honestly say much more than those of us that, that grew up in the eighties. You know that. That area of you know that that decade seems marked more by uh, um, you know, individualism. So that's that's a that's one thing I see. And you know, even now, it's as we all go through what we're going through now with the COVID nineteen. I see people more concerned about others and more more prayerful. Uh, as I said, God has virtually stopped the world from spinning, and I don't think it's a uh, coincidence. My my personal feeling, living a faith-based life, is you know, this is this is a message, or this is something that's uh, you know it should be a time where we grow in our faith and reverence for and respect for God. Uh, you see more. You see people taking more of a a view of sanctity of life. Um, and I hope that can continue. I hope it continues and not just in this time of crisis or, or pandemic, but, uh, and, and lastly, you know, abortion, you know, we talk about sanctity of life and yet you know, we live in a society that, that aborts babies. I mean, there can't be anything more, more horrendous. 
Uh, that is Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh speaking with Jay Nordlinger of National Review. Uh, abortion is a hot-button issue. Usually football coaches do not take uh, a public position on it. I obviously applaud him in taking that position because it's my position, um, and he was roundly criticized for it. But it was, uh, it was interesting to me that he, that he went there and was not afraid to go there. Well, like you, like me, like Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to give an answer one day, and you're going to have to answer to a higher authority, not of this earth. It's my belief, you know, and I do believe that uh, obviously I'm as pro-life as anybody in this world, including you, and I'm not saying more than you, at least as much as you, I'm, but I do think that um, the fight continues and that not to have anger about it, but just sadness because the sadness motivates me. The anger doesn't motivate me when it comes to life issues. It's the sadness. It's the gut-wrenching choices that probably most women who decide to terminate a pregnancy, most of them aren't throwing a party afterward. There's got to be, that's at least what I feel, Bruce. You know, unless I mean? you're Alyssa Milano, who says that her two abortions okay. were her great joys. Yeah. Or shout your uh, abortion or all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think that was Alyssa Milano. but Yeah, it was. I'm looking at the story right now. She had two abortions? Yeah. Alyssa Milano? If I hadn't okay. opted for, this is a quote, if I hadn't adopted for two abortions in 1993, my life would be completely lacking okay. all its great joys today. Okay. I, it, I'm, I'm saying the majority. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, like the woman in uh, whatever in Ohio or the woman in Arkansas, you know, not a, not somebody that uh, has the luxury of a, a platform, you know, because for every Alyssa Milano story out there, you can find how many women uh, is life of guilt and sadness what abortion brings, right? Would you agree with that? There's those stories out there. Oh, yes, sir. Definitely more. Yeah. Okay. Far more. So. That's my, that's yeah. my whole point. And that's what, you know, and I just want those women to know that God can forgive everybody for everything with all things. God or, is possible, you know? And, and so as long as you, you know, acknowledge who God is and acknowledge what, uh, where where you fall short, just like I try to acknowledge every day where I fall short. That was the whole purpose of yesterday, mm -hmm. was the victory of us sinning. And as one of my kids put it, and uh, in the house is Easter. I said, what's Easter mean to you? And one of them said ultimate victory, which I thought was quite profound mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the time. But I, you know, I applaud Jim because Jim now will be, quote unquote uh ripped because of his stance and what a divisive issue that is in our country but jim had the courage to take a stand and good for him and use his public platform for fighting for life and um i do think jim is right in his assessment of players where there's a more of a an awareness of the world around them that as opposed to when he and i played uh I think our generation was mentally tougher than this generation, Agreed. to be honest with you. Agreed. Uh, because I think this generation is I'm not saying, I mean, I'm speaking in, in general generalities, of course. But I think this generation, you know, the one thing that really frustrates me uh, with this generation 
is that oftentimes they're determining their value or self-worth by the amount of popularity that they have via social media. Mm-hmm. And I don't think athlete, athletics or athletes are immune from that. No, I, I agree with you on that. Absolutely so. Uh, a reminder, nominate someone to win $250 on Friday. Podcast at gmail.com. And also, please uh, support our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. You don't have to have bad coffee during this uh quarantine they'll send it right to your house they are still open you can have great coffee uh, at a very economical price and know you're doing good things for people across the world and uh, they will donate to COVID-19 relief as well depending on whether you use the promo code we tackle life in all caps to get 15% off or whether you just note in the comments section that you heard about hemisphere coffee roasters from the Spielman Hooley podcast then they'll donate 20% of sales order again order online hemispherecoffeeroasters.com we'd encourage all of you to Review our podcast on iTunes. It helps us know what you like about the podcast, what you want to hear, and also helps us with uh, other advertisers. Here's one from uh, T. He says, if you love Ohio sports, great interaction between two good guys and Jesus, this podcast is for you. You'll be disappointed only that you get three hours a week. Bruce and Chris have become a must-listen for me. Thanks to both of you for speaking, not just to me, uh, but it certainly feels like that is what you're doing. That's great. Uh, here's an email. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. From Tim, he says, Good morning, Bruce and Chris, even though Chris will not be reading this. So, I don't know how he knows that, but uh, he's correct on that. <laughs> he says, I've been a listener to the podcast for a few months now, and I really enjoy the show. I'm a police officer in the Massillon area, and your show helps me get through the night with some sanity. I think the fun wow. I think the fundraiser Chris is doing is one of the more honorable acts I have seen and I believe what you two are doing to help our community show the great character you two possess. It's acts like this that help reinforce my faith in humanity. And he says he would like to nominate a friend in need whose name is Anthony. Uh, he owns he and his wife own a sports pub in nearby Canal Fulton. Says they've been hit hard by this. Uh that Anthony has teamed up with the Canal Fulton Police Department and organized a golf outing to raise money for what they call the Dare to Dream program. The proceeds send less fortunate families to Disney on ice during the holiday season, Mm. including dinner, a gas card, and hotel accommodations. Wow, that's phenomenal. Well, Tim, thank you for your email, and we hope that Anthony wins just like we hope everybody who emails can win. So that's an example of the stories that we get many times a day, many times a week. Yeah, it's just a. How humbled are you um, to be able to do a podcast and to actually have people care enough to listen? You, you know, that's what people, when people, I think our approach has always been humility. I mean, we kid around a lot, obviously, but humility and the fact that people actually care enough to listen and that. When you get feedback, which oftentimes we don't, good or bad, just sometimes you don't know what you're doing. So when you get one of those emails, just one, it inspires you to keep going because you know you're having a positive impact on at least one person. And I think that's humbling. I think watching church services yesterday on TV, uh, watched a Catholic mass at nine and watched rock city at 10 and just the the humility that i felt yesterday in the seeing an empty cathedral 
or I don't know if you saw that, whatever the Bocelli. Yes, yes, on, yes. On, you know, I mean, we're, I mean, I was humbled to the core, yeah. not in a, not a, oh my gosh, this is a great humbling. Uh, it was a combination of all humbling, a great humbling, a sad humbling, but one that, uh, a cleansing humbling, I guess. I don't even know that I can put those two words together, but I just did. So did you feel humbled at all yesterday? Be besides the obvious. Big time. I mean, I was asked, I, so. I led our Sunday school class in a study of First Peter 1, a couple verses from that, uh, verses 6 through 9. And it was just such a fitting scripture to get into on Easter Sunday because, uh, first of all, I identify with Peter because Peter was at times a mammoth screw-up. Uh, but at times very zealous and hopefully very and obviously very productive in his faith. Uh, right. I know I fulfill the first part of that description. I'm hoping that I am in the process of or someday fulfill the latter part of that description. Um, and so, yes, you know, and I, I contemplated many aspects of the crucifixion, the resurrection, my lack of uh, <laughs> my lack of worthiness, yet my uh, accessibility to God's forgiveness just by accepting it yesterday. They were, yesterday was a day filled with humility and thankfulness and um, things that I hope other people can comprehend. Um, you know, we, we talk about sports a lot, and we all share uh, some common loves, Buckeyes, you know, NFL, things like that. There's nothing I would love to share more with the people who listen to this podcast than uh, a relationship with Christ. You mentioned the podcast and how humbled we are to have a podcast and to have people listen to the podcast. The reason why it's humbling to have a podcast and have people listen is because when we were on the radio for years and years and years and years, you know, we're on the radio, so you flip the station, you got your preset, oh, there's Bruce and Chris. It's not as, it's not as purposeful of a decision to listen to Spielman and Hooley on the radio as it is on a podcast. You don't listen to us on a podcast unless... You make an effort to listen to us. You got to call it up. You got to subscribe. You got to, it takes, you really are, it's like you're our closest friends. You're the ones who believe in us the most. And we don't take that lightly. Uh, no. And so we're trying to share the best of what we have. Our research on sports analysis, sure. But as you and I sat down to talk about what we wanted this podcast to be, we were both in complete agreement that it had to be about what's most important in our lives, not just what consumes our recreational lives or our you know our thoughts Business. on stuff like that it's about our lives and what that right. is is our relationship with christ and how it plays out as husbands and fathers yeah i was thinking of you yesterday because there's a lot of references to peter yesterday in the two services that i watched mm -hmm. so you know jesus actually told peter get behind me satan right yeah, yeah. And when Jesus, Peter said to him, no, no, you're not going to the cross. Yeah, forget that yeah, stuff. No, no, forget I that. Got, yeah, I got you covered, right? Then the 12-year-old the junior high girl at the campfire made him cry and yeah. denied Jesus three times. So do you imagine the guilt that Peter had, uh, you know? And I was trying to. Yeah, I can't imagine it because I've felt yeah, some of it. That's, that's why I was thinking of you and me. But I, I was thinking of you because, you know, look at. Peter, if you look at P 
Peter when Christ was alive. Like he was always the most to me. He would be like the the what what do they call the the guy in the locker room that is the cheerleader? He's the, the rah rah first, guy. He's the yeah. He's yeah. the he's the first to go guy, right? Yeah. Like the emotional leader or whatever. Yeah. He is, you know, like I, I just recall, I believe he was the first one when Jesus was walking on water. He was the first one to run out there, right? The only I mean, one. He was the only one yeah, to get out of the boat. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's Peter. And yet, you know, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, to him. He denied Jesus three times. but And he also said was, to him at another point, you're the rock. I'm building yeah, my church on you. That's The church was built on Peter the rock. I mean, and so, well, I couldn't sleep last night. Uh which seems to be the norm nowadays. So I was watching on the History Channel, the Bible, and it was after Jesus' uh, resurrection and after Jesus came back and was visited by, what, over 500, or he visited 500 witnesses mm-hmm. proclaiming they saw Jesus. And the strength of Peter and the resolve, it's just absolutely fascinating, the transformation that happened to Peter. Uh, from the time of Jesus' death to the time of the resurrection, then after the resurrection. And I just thought it was just really cool. So I, I everybody, we all see Peter in us, right? In men and, and women, we all see Peter in us. Um, and now, but I was thinking of you because of your, your over, your beautiful uh, passion and enthusiasm for God, right? And then your your growth from when I first met you to where you are now. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what a gift Bruce has been given. And the and the, the other gift that Bruce has been given is the rec. Bruce has the recognition of the gift that he's been given, because. When I see you, I mean, we all probably can, if we do a, a deep study on, excuse me, <clears throat> all the apostles, we all can probably identify with one more than the other. Mm-hmm. But there's no mistake on who you are or no who mistake. you identify. There's no mistake. I mean, you're, you're, when I first met you, how you're all in, right, man? Bruce is all in. He's leading the charge. And boy, he's sitting there telling you, you, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this, this, this is do what I say, not as I do, guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, zealous, impetuous, <laughs> clumsy. But, that, but just shut up, the, Bruce. Just shut up. But look, yeah. but but I just think that, like, you know, here you are leading the Facebook Live thing on Sunday mornings, and you took the initiative to do that, right? And your humility that you display when you say. I shouldn't have wrote that on Twitter and I, and the, and how you're legitimately trying to continue to grow in the strength that like the strength that you have now, like when you, when you tell me something or when you say, uh, hold me accountable, for example, you have more credibility in my eyes now than you did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't say that in a mean way. I'm just no, trying to be that's completely absolutely true. That's fair. Open and honest with you because yeah. 10 years ago, you know, you might've told me something and I say, is this a guy that's writing a three page email yeah. explaining, uh, first of all, if this guy insulted him, then Bruce comes back with bigger insults in a, in a more elegant manner. Mm. 
you know. But now that's not the case. And so I guess I'm saying with Peter, I had so admired your faith in when we first met. But now watching you operate, you operate from a position of confidence, more confidence in your faith and more confidence by putting what the actual faith says to do. You know, so that's why I view you as a modern day Peter. Well, thank you. First of all, um, I am a modern day, but I own more the former day Peter, you know, which was very much a part of my personality. But that's, I talked about Peter yesterday on the Facebook Live, which you can find at Spielman Hooley Podcast. Uh, no, you can find the Facebook Live on our Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life Facebook page. There's about a 25 minute video up there of me talking about my uh, identity. Uh, with Peter and the things that I share. And, oh, really? Yeah, wow. that's what I talked I about yesterday. <laughs> and here's a big surprise for you. What did I have today? <laughs> Straight from Second Peter, a letter from <laughs> from Peter. I find it amazing. You know, this man walked <laughs> with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This man was on the inner sanctum. I mean, you want the true Hollywood story. Peter can give it to you. I mean, he's right there, front lines, major screw-up, major achiever. And so I was reading from 2 Peter chapter 1 today, and Chris, you talked about um, this progression in me from a guy who almost always screwed it up to a guy who now hopefully doesn't screw it up more than 50% of the time. And I'm hoping to get my percentages you know, more in line with being a productive disciple as I grow. But then for, in 2 Peter 1, Peter's talking about this very concept of progression. And I thought about this in relation to the NFL draft and building a franchise, building a team from uh, a losing team, which the Browns are trying to do, the Bengals are trying to do, into a Super Bowl champion. We've seen teams do it. San Francisco 49ers, losing team a couple years ago, picking high in a draft. They're in the Super Bowl this past year. Kansas City Chiefs, same thing. Okay. So here's second here's Second Peter chapter one. Peter talking about what progression he wants to see that he's no doubt seen in his own life and that he wants to see in believers' lives. He says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self control, and to self control perseverance. Yeah. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. I didn't have any brotherly kindness 10 years ago. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I had so many things that kept me from being effective and productive because I didn't have self-control. I didn't have perseverance. I was hot and cold as a Christian. I wasn't in my Bible. I wasn't praying every day. I certainly didn't reflect godliness. I did not reflect brotherly kindness. And because I wasn't in my Bible and I wasn't praying every day, I didn't have knowledge. I didn't know what God wanted me to do because I wasn't allowing him to speak to my heart. So this morning when I sat down in my chair, I'm like, Lord, what do you have for me today to share with the people? I really want it to make sense. And I thought about, you know, Peter's talking about this progression. 
This is what NFL GMs are trying to do. This is what NFL yeah. teams are trying to do. They're trying to go from a losing team. They got to have a franchise quarterback. Okay, I look at a franchise quarterback's a must-have. You got to have faith in Christ as a must-have. Everything grows from your faith in Christ. That's your franchise quarterback. Yeah. You got to protect your faith. You got to have an offensive line to protect your quarterback. Well, you got to protect your faith, brother. You better be in your Bible. You better be reading it. You better be filling yourself with truth and knowledge. You got to have a running back who can keep the defense honest, who can move. So you want to keep. Satan honest, you gotta pray. You gotta you gotta stay connected to God to keep Satan at bay, to keep him honest. You wanna stretch the field with a with a wide receiver, a quick strike wide receiver. You wanna be able to like go go accomplish things here, there, and everywhere. You've gotta have the more godly you are, the more godly men you're gonna meet, the more Chris Spielmans you're gonna meet in your life, the more godly men I've surrounded myself with in the past 18 months the more capable I am to play offense for Jesus. You got to have a great defense, you got to have linebackers, cornerbacks, pass rush, all those elements of a great Super Bowl champion are all things you will add to your arsenal. Like Peter talks about, goodness to knowledge, knowledge to self-control, self-control to perseverance, perseverance to godliness. If you have a gap in any of those qualities, your service will be compromised, and you won't reach your ultimate potential. Potential, Potential, thank you, for Jesus. Just like an NFL team with a hole in its secondary, a hole in its run defense, a hole in this, that, or the other, like the Browns of the Bernie era. They had... You know, they had this and this and this and this, but they always lacked. They couldn't get a stop on defense when they needed it. Elway goes 98 yards. You don't want Satan going 98 yards on you. So you got to add these qualities, and it's a striving. It's a pr- it's a process. It's a you know it's a it's a a purposeful effort to shore yourself up in the areas you lack to achieve your potential in Christ. That's your face segment. I hope because <laughs> yep. it was pretty good. That was okay. it. Will you text me that uh, the verse? Yes, sir. Le- letter, please. Yes, I will. Uh, I have a couple things. I. I got a couple chuckles yesterday. Uh, the one where the the, the uh, text or tweet I sent you where Roman authorities are investigating Jesus for violating the stay in tomb order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't shelter in place. <laughs> have you seen the Have you seen the upper Zoom photo? Yeah, of Jesus and the disciples on Zoom. Yeah, in the upper Zoom. Which is, you know, and poor Governor DeWine. I mean, they had one out there where they got Jesus with his head popped out of the tomb, you know, in a little bubble, air quote bubble on top, saying, can I come out yet? And uh, <laughs> Governor DeWine's in front, nope. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to laugh at yeah. some of that stuff. Yep. I mean, you have to, yep. right? Yeah, Um I just the, the one the uh, Roman authorities investigating staying two mortars. So <laughs> I I got the biggest kick out of that. I mean, um, I am going actually, Bruce, to uh, our one of my inspirations. And when I first started to investigate, I knew what I believe. But when I start, started to investigate why I believe it. C.S. Lewis, right, who might have been one of the most brilliant guys ever to walk the face of the earth. And he talked about the earliest disciples died for their claim 
of a resurrected Jesus. And I just was reading this this morning. Uh, do you mind if I share what C.S. Lewis has to teach us this morning? Please do. If the resurrection of Jesus was a hoax, the disciples would have been the ones to make it up. They would have known, even if no one else did, that the whole thing was a lie. And yet, they allowed themselves to be arrested, tried, tortured, executed for their claims about the resurrection. And think about it from what you know about human nature. Like, you'll die for the truth. Uh, I'll die for the truth. Mm -hmm. You'll die for a lie that you believe is to be the truth. Correct? Yep. People do that all the time. With all your heart, believe you believe it's the truth, but it, it's a lie. But here's something that was really, really interesting. But you won't die for a lie that you know is a lie. If it was a lie, the disciples would have been the ones to create it and spread it. And yet they endured untold suffering and pain for their claim. And so did hundreds of others, eyewitnesses, who suffered at the hands of the early Jewish and Roman persecution. Their lives and ultimate deaths are perhaps the greatest testimony to the fact that the resurrection of Jesus really did happen. But the key factor was those three sentences right there. You'll die for the truth. You'll die for a lie that you believe the truth. But there's not many people in this world, but you won't die for a lie that you know is a lie. That's right. And, and that's, I mean, that's really pretty simple if you try to, why do people believe in the resurrection, right? That's that's one of five reasons that C.S. Lewis points out. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. It's they all were martyred except for John, and there's no right. way that happens if they made the story up. No way. Well, John was the favorite, as he's quick to point out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the disciple who Jesus loved. John, I think that I think that was written in all humility. I know. I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I I was having fun with with uh, our family yesterday. Reed, uh, when I we read before dinner, we read the um, Easter story from the Book of John, mm -hmm. right? And in the Book of John, John said, "Well, uh, Peter and I ran to the temple, and I beat him. There. I got there so first. I was, I was, <laughs> John was two time All State." <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering if you stole my thunder because I was going to say he must have ran for West Liberty State. Oh, no, he, he must not have because he would have got second or fourth or whatever place you got. Oh, 18th and 20th, junior and senior year. <laughs> 20th and 18th. I, I did improve two spots. <laughs> okay. Right. I had 10 years to play four. I might have gotten into the top five. Who knows? All right. Now we're breaking about 18th place. Okay. <laughs> oh, I choked that day. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah. So I just, I just want to, you're not going to, you're not going to die for a lie that you know is a lie. No, no, you're right. not. And Christianity would not have grown into the worldwide phenomenon that it is and the lives it has changed uh, if there was not truth in it. Uh, it just yeah. wouldn't have. So, look, guys, we, we would tell you about a game you got to see, a player you got to see, a restaurant you got to eat at, a movie you got to see. The reason why we pound a relationship with Jesus Christ at the end of every podcast is because we know the joy of that relationship. <laughs> you all know Chris's story. Chris has not lived a pain-free life. Chris walked through a tremendous period of, of pain in his life. So I don't want to hide the ball on you. 
coming to faith in Christ does not promise you an easy life or prosperity, but it promises you a, a rock in whatever storm comes your way that you can cling to, that you can find a living hope, as Peter talks about in 1 Peter, one that will never perish, spoil or fade, one that's kept in heaven for you, one that's shielded you with God's power. Is there any force in the whole entire universe? You hear a thunderstorm? You see those tornadoes in Mississippi yesterday? Do you doubt God's power? God's, mm-hmm. God's, if, if God's power did not usurp any military power in the world, we would go into the clouds and seed the clouds, and we would disable a tornado, a hurricane, a typhoon before it ever happened. Wouldn't we? Yeah, we would. We can't. Because God's power is higher and more powerful than any other power. And that power is guarding your future when you come to faith in Christ. So um, it's why we pound it. It's why we continue to pound it and why we always will. Good stuff, Bruce. Good stuff, Mr. Spielman. You have uh, yourself a great day. And uh, remember, people, nominate somebody. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. By the way, what did your, uh, your latest item was the Cleveland Browns items? Yeah, it's got two bids on it right now, $1,525. It's a preseason game-worn helmet, a practice jersey, and a special edition 1999 signed football. All three items are signed. So. Fantastic. And that auction uh, concludes when? At uh, about five and a half hours from okay. right now. So, But uh, thanks for uh, doing this today. I, I, need, I, I woke up a little grumpy. I needed a little... Uh, pick me up because that reading that article on the child abuse and domestic violence thing just uh i gotta probably just keep things in prayer here because yeah, that really in prayer that's what angered, i was gonna say and angered me and well understandably just, so yeah that's, so. that's not a misplaced emotion for sure in that for no. particular front no good to no. talk to you my friend i will uh right. catch up hey, with don't you again forget to text me the uh First uh, Peter verse. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. It makes I need that right now about the, the self control thing. You so, got it, bud. Talk to you soon. Right. Talk to all of you again all right. on Wednesday. The Spielman Hooley podcast. We tackle life. Have a great day.